0: ferrario he's tanner hendrickson and i'm brandon Kylie. you're listening to bk and ferrario here on 101 espn and we're going out to the brown and crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend the former reds manager now an advisor with the san diego padres he's brian price joining us here on the show brian we appreciate the time as always my friend how you doing today
1: Doing great guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So anytime we've got questions about pitching, there are certain guys that we go to and you're right at the top of that list. And for the Cardinals, especially with all of this world baseball classic stuff that's taking place right now, they've got some real questions on the pitching side of things. And I wanted to get your expertise. So uh, with Adam Wainwright in particular, Brian, they've got a situation where he came into spring and he said that he had some back spasms and it, it hampered him and it it brought down his velocity in a significant way. His first spring training, he goes out there. He's throwing 84 Uh, that's lower than anything that we saw from him a year ago by about four or five miles per hour. Second spring outing goes out and it's a little bit of an uptick, but it's still only at 86 miles per hour. He says that everything's going okay. And that the training staff is feeling confident about his progress and everything but now he's going off to the World Baseball Classic, uh, Brian. If you put yourself in a manager's chair with something like that, with a pitcher of Bueno's pedigree, uh, what what is that situation like right now? Do you think?
1: Well, it's a tough one. It's tenuous because you know Adam has has earned uh, everything he's gotten in the game. He's been a tremendous performer. He's kind of uh, found himself again in his in his later years and has been an elite performer as he approaches and hits forty. And beyond. And so, you know, there's a lot of faith, I'm sure, with the coaching staff, the front office in in what he feels he's capable of doing. Um, and the other part is it's hard to assess a pitcher unless he's he's very close to, if not at 100 percent. So I guess it comes down to the amount of faith. I think he's earned the right to, to for the organization to have faith in him. However, I would certainly be holding my breath.
0: From a manager's perspective, Brian, do do you lose sleep at night when spring training's ongoing and you are missing so many people when it comes to the World Baseball Classic?
1: Oh yeah, I mean we're listening. We're we're missing a ton of guys here with the Padres. I, I wouldn't want to be Bob Melvin at this moment <laughs> just because it's you know I mean we're running a skeleton crew out there. It's given some opportunities for some for some guys that are on the periphery trying to make the club to get regular looks, regular repetition so on and so forth. You know, the WBC is, for all the great things about it, It brings the baseball community together from all over the world. There's, there's always trepidation from the U.S. because, you know, it, it, you're asking your guys to train earlier, harder, and be more aggressive, more competitive at an earlier date with games that have real consequences. Um, it's almost like it could be better served to use your young players because they're getting themselves geared up to try to compete to make a, a team in spring training than your veteran guys that know what it takes to be ready by opening day. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of – I have convoluted feelings about it. I'm, I'm not a huge fan about the timing. That being said, I know I know it's brought a lot to the game. It brought a lot of attention a lot of good things to it as well.
0: Brian Price is our guest here on 101 ESPN, former Reds manager, now with the Padres in an advisory role. Uh, Brian, I did want to ask you to kind of a, another follow-up on the, the velocity side of things. As a pitching coach, as a manager, whatever the role is, whatever capacity, what are you looking for from a pitcher to to get back on track when it comes to their VLO, especially early in spring training? Because we know a lot of guys take some time to get like fully ramped up into what they're going to be in the regular season. How do you assess that as a coach early in spring?
1: Well, you know, it's a, it's a changing game, as you guys know. I mean, all you have to do is go down to spring training and see all the technology that are in the bullpens and some of the some of the, the, the training exercises and, and pre-throwing regimens that the pitchers are going through to know that the game has moved in a, in a different direction in the last three, four, five years in a significant and aggressive way. And so most, my experience here and with some other clubs that I'm, I'm familiar with, I, I do know that players are coming into camp way more advanced you know, uh, than they ever have, whereas you might say the first outing or two outings, You know, 10 or 12 years ago, you might have seen all your pitchers throwing fastball changeup or limiting their breaking ball to one per hitter. Uh, Our first game of the year here in spring training against the Mariners, they had a kid that came in to face a lefty and, and threw six straight breaking balls in his first spring training outing. That being said, I'm sure he's thrown a bunch of live batting practice and simulated games before he ever got into that game against us. So it's not as if his arm isn't conditioned to it. I guess my question is, how are these teams going to look in, you know, August, September, October with guys that showed up game ready, you know, in the middle of February or earlier? So in regards to velocity, I, I think it's, it, it just depends on how you train or if you're training to be ready on day one on February 14th compared to being that guy that's going to be ready for opening day. And I didn't put a ton of credence in velocity with veteran players on the front half of spring training at all and I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're not seeing the velocity back towards the end of spring training, there's a little bit more of a concern there. Uh,
0: Brian, on the topic of spring training, you know, it, during St. Louis Cardinals camp, we've talked a lot about the internal competition that Ali Marmol has in terms of guys competing for spots and guys who look like they already have those spots claimed. From, from a manager's perspective, how important is that internal competition from the start to end of spring training?
1: Well, it's important because you want to see your guys compete at the very best. I think the challenge of spring training is that sometimes in those, in those 10 or 12 innings the relievers get or that, you know, that 15 to 25 innings that your starters may get, uh, you, can, you can be fooled because it's a different ball game when you leave the complex and you go out and play in big league stadiums with consequences. And the counter argument is that, well, they're competing every day for a job. I mean, that's pressure. and You go, absolutely it is but to stay there is the ultimate pressure to win in the big leagues is all that's important. That's a huge pressure. It's a huge load to carry. It's hard to be a young guy that follows a veteran that got knocked out after two innings, knowing that you've got to take on that burden of keeping yourself in the game for six or seven. So there's a lot of things that young guys go through maybe for the first time that, um, that makes them vulnerable to struggle. And, uh, so for me, I love the internal competition and in the same respect, I don't want to disregard that 125, 150, 175 innings that may have been thrown by these guys the year before where they were really good, even if they have somewhat of a tough spring training. That that didn't bother me as much as the guy that's coming off a bad year but had a good 15-inning stint in spring.
0: Brian, one of the caveats to this spring training as well, especially from a pitching perspective, is all of these new rules that are being implemented kind of on the fly and guys having to learn about the pitch clock, learn about the pickoff rules and everything that goes along with that. What have you seen just in terms of like you watching the game while while at spring training right now? Have you noticed a significant difference in what you're watching on a day to day basis?
1: Well, there is. There's a lot, more, uh, a lot more teams that are trying to force the issue with the running game, which I think is good. I hate the fact that we have to change the rules in order to encourage base dealers to steal bases. And the analytics have come in and said, this is what you should do and when you do it. And I, I've, always evalu- I've always valued a game where the manager just went out there and did his thing, did what he thought was right, and, and your team takes on a certain personality and you just get after it with that personality. Um, I think now because of the limited number of throw of consecutive throwovers, you can have very few teams are going to throw over two times in a row to first base in particular, uh, because then, then you're, you're, you're cornered. Either you have to pick over and hope to pick them off or you have to pitch out. I mean, your hands are tied in that situation. So I think a ton of teams are going to run after the initial throw over and that's going to create, you know, more action on the bases and so on and so forth. But, uh, the other part is, is what do you do in that first and third situation? And we've covered this a fair bit as other teams have as well. First and third, and you've picked over twice, or you picked over and then you couldn't get a sign and you stepped off. And now you have two disengagements first and third. And that runner at first base does a false break. And you're trying to figure, do I step off? Cause if I step off, it's a box. If I throw over, and I don't pick them off. It's a box. If we don't get somebody out on this, it's a balk, and that runner from third scores. So there's a lot of dynamics to it. I think the first year will iron some things out. And I, what I would love to see is I would just love to see them add one more legal uh, disengagement of the rubber. So t- for a total number of three, because I think that it does at least allow the manager somewhat to control the running game a bit more. So, but otherwise, you know, shot clock or pitch clock, whatever I've actually kind of liked it. It does keep a nice tempo We'll see what's going on in St. Louis in July, August or Kansas City or New York or Chicago, wherever we have some humidity and you're dealing with that. And pitchers are getting the ball and trying to throw it unloaded every 15 seconds. And then they're in their fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh inning and see how their uh, stamina is. That'll that'll be the real challenge.
0: The other one, Brian, I did want to ask uh, about is the banning of the shift or elimination of the infield shift, I guess I probably should phrase it as. As somebody who's been around this game for a long time, you, you watched the evolution of how often we were seeing the shift in Major League Baseball there's some I think dissenting opinions on whether or not this is going to become something that really changes anything meaningfully where do you stand on that how much do you think this will change the results that we see in individual games
1: well I think it's going to be drastic you know I'm I'm in a a positive way for me because I when guys make hard contact I you know I like to see them rewarded the counter to the the whole thing right was that if we can shift then big league players should be able to hit the hit the ball in that big hole that's on the other side of the infield and I don't think the game's that easy you know I don't take I don't think you take your sluggers that you're hoping are going to hit 40 and drive in 110 120 are going to be trying to shove that ball into that opening they're going to end up especially those left-hand hitters pulling it hard to that guy that's in short right field who's going to throw them out you know almost every single time I saw that with Jay Bruce a guy was a really good hitter, but most of his hard line drive contact and ground ball contact was to the right side and, and he couldn't get anything through the right side with the shift. So I, I like things being rewarded. I like there being multiple holes on the infield to hit the ball through now and I do think what we'll see is we'll put value back in contact, especially two-strike contact because there's more acreage in which to find a base hit and I like that. I think the game's going to pick up tempo simply by making it a positive thing to, to break down your swing and and be able to put the ball in play hard with two strikes as opposed to giving away those empty at-bats by, you know, by striking out. So I do think that there's going to be a really positive thing. It might take a couple years for teams to go, hey, we've got to have a better two-strike approach. We've got to be able to cover more pitches. Uh, We're not going to try to lift everything and hit it over the shift, you know. So, uh, So hopefully what we'll see is a game that kind of resembles a bit more of what we saw, you know, a decade or so ago where good hitters were good hitters you know, and, uh, and then we just see more action and more balls in play.
0: Hey, Brian, it's been great to catch up. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate getting some of your expertise, especially on the pitching side of things. And it was good to be able to pick your brand as well uh, about some of these rule changes and the impacts that they're going to have on major league baseball this season. Thank you so much for the time.
1: Yeah, you guys have been great to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Absolutely,
0: That's Brian Price, former Reds manager, now an advisor with the San Diego Padres. We always appreciate him hopping on with us.